Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. Hello everyone, it's Shannon coming to you on a slightly autumn feeling evening here. And I am, of course, here to talk with you about this week's new releases. However, as usual, I have an author interview to share before we start talking about new books. So this week, my guest is Autumn Miller. And we talk about her novel, Marrying the Heiress. We also talk about self-publishing versus traditional publishing. We talk about genre and kind of the constraints that go into writing a specific genre. So I hope that you find this conversation interesting and that you will, of course, give Autumn's book a try. So I have that interview. But before I do that, let's do the housekeeping information. Moving straight into the interview, and then, of course, we'll talk about new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am joined by author Autumn Miller, who is here to chat with me today about her novel, Marrying the Heiress, which was released on May 23rd. Autumn, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks very much for having me. You are very welcome. So I like to have authors start out by giving listeners and potential readers a bit of an introduction to the novel. So could you talk a bit about what people can expect from Marrying the Heiress? Yeah, well, it's an enemies to lovers romance, but it also involves a marriage of convenience. Um, So Kate is a rather impoverished carer for an elderly gentleman who um, passes away and rather unexpectedly leaves her his inheritance. Needless to say, the grandson who was meant to inherit everything is rather upset about that. And therefore um, ensues a rather kind of convoluted um, brazen plan on his part in in trying to regain his inheritance and all of the wealth that his grandfather would have left him. Okay, so I really love marriage of convenience stories I think they are some of the best romances I love sort of that tension of like people being married but maybe like they don't really know each other or if they do like in this case they don't like each other and yet they still have to figure out how to make the marriage work 
um, you know, A, for the sake of like whatever the, the plan is in the book, but also for just, you know, the whole romance angle to actually work out. So I was really pleased um, when I picked this one up to note that it had a marriage of convenience trope. Yes, I quite like that trope as well. I think it's always fun to see how people get on or don't get on and how relationships evolve, because sometimes obviously there are other tropes where there's kind of not quite insta love, but there's a lot going on straight away. Um, yes. It's quite nice to see a slow burn. Um, but yeah, this was a lot of fun to write and um, to get really underneath the skin of both characters and and needless to say, um, the male character who is known as Daw, his name is William Dawlish, um, he has quite a visceral dislike for Kate, who inherited. Um, but yes, I think so far um, it's been really well received. And um, yes, hopefully it's just a little bit different, a little bit um, unusual sort of plot and storyline, um, partly because it's set in the UK and I think there's a big market for romance and there's a lot of that market is um, met by American authors and therefore American couples or characters in American cities. So this is quite different in that it's obviously set in the UK. And, yeah, and I feel like a lot of historicals are set in the UK. Yes. Um, and then like you get into contemporaries or paranormals and all of those. And then it seems like you don't see the UK yeah, true. Like nearly as much, you know, like I, I feel like it sort of holds the, the record for like the most historical set there. But then when yeah. you leave that genre, mm. it's it's not it's not as big a deal. Um, yeah. I, I kind of wonder about that sometimes, like why, you know, what makes that happen? But I guess I think it's just a lot of American authors who write romance and clearly there are American authors who write um, historical romance or Regency romance um, but I think it's just dominated by American authors um, and I think the American market is, is naturally massive to accommodate all of those authors as well um, and perhaps we just don't have quite a bigger a market here in the UK. So I started reading romance um, when I was gosh probably way too young to be doing that I was like 12 or 13 and for the longest time, I had this rather idiotic idea that if a book was set in a specific place like the UK, that that must mean that that's where the author was. Mm. And I thought that for like such a long time. And I was like, wow, there's so many British people like writing these books. And then I think it was Julia Quinn that I heard talking. And I was like, wait, mm. <laughs> this isn't a UK author. And yeah. so I had to kind of rethink my uh, my beliefs about like settings of romance and what that did or did not say about where the authors were actually located. Absolutely. I think you've got to write about what you enjoy as well. And, you know, if you like the setting of the UK, but you live elsewhere, then, then why not? Um, right. It's sometimes harder to perhaps get the language right, because we do obviously have some differences, but that can all be... Um, sorted out through beta reading and so on and so forth but yeah I've yeah read, like, a lot there's of, a lot of research that people yeah, do hopefully exactly. yeah so I'd like to talk a little bit about kind of your writing in general 
And like, have you always known that you wanted to write romance or is this something that sort of came to you like later on? Um, how, how did writing kind of evolve for you? Yeah, well, I've always been an avid reader. I did English, German and French for A-level and then I went on to do a degree in German and French at university. Whoa. And naturally with that, there was lots of reading and writing and literature. Um, so I've always been interested in the written word, so to speak. Um, but when I, back in 2014, um, I started reading a series of books by uh, Samantha Shannon. She was a young adult oh, uh, yes. author. And yes. I absolutely loved those books. Um, and I started to think, as I was reading all the other books that um, Amazon was throwing up at me to say, if you enjoyed this book, you know, try this book. Um, I just thought, well, I'm going to give it a go. So I started writing young adult stories and fantasy. And um, so I spent the next few years um, writing a trilogy and um, I wanted to try and get it traditionally published, but didn't have any luck. So I thought I'd try a different um, book to see if I had any luck with that. And I still didn't. So then I just turned my attention to other genres that I had been enjoying reading and romance was one of them. And I just thought after reading lots and lots of books that I would also give this a try. Um, and I think it's easier to self-publish these days. Um, and I think perhaps romance is a slightly easier uh, genre to self-publish in than perhaps young adult, where you perhaps need to be in a bookshop more, obviously. Um, and it's perhaps a little bit harder to get to people of the right age group because not everybody's going to have a phone or a device that they can perhaps read from. So books are going to be important and libraries are going to be important. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I just decided... Um, I just try my hand at romance, really, because it was just, again, something I really enjoyed reading and I wanted to um, challenge myself with something different. I would love to hear kind of about your experience um, self-publishing, because a lot of the authors that I end up interviewing, you know, a lot of the authors that get sort of the, the push for interviews are the traditionally published authors. And so there haven't been a huge number that I've spoken to about that self-publishing journey. And so I'd love to hear any insights that you have on that or just any experiences that you'd like to share about how that worked for you. Yeah, so there's a big network of um, people on Facebook groups who have been brilliant when you've got questions about the tiny, tiny details that you thought would be, you know, you'd never have to worry about. You just put a shout out on there and people will come back to you and say, this is what you need to do, or this has worked for me. And other people will say what's worked for them. And you just gradually just absorb all of this information over months and months as to what works well, where perhaps you should go to get your book cover done. Um, oh, yeah. And how to get your ARC readers or your beta readers, where to find editors, etc., and so on. And um, so it does take a lot of your time up reading all the best ways to do this, because clearly there's so many options and so many people out there who are, uh, you know, companies who are willing to help you through that process, too. Um, but it is, it is a bit of a minefield, but sometimes you just have to say, right, I've read this about a particular topic and I'm not going to read any more and just right. move on, on to the next thing because there's an endless amount of information out there and you could so easily get bogged down in it. Um, so you have to kind of be quite strict with yourself because when you self-publish, all of your time 
seems to be taken up with promoting your book or reaching out to people to read your book um, and to review it. And you find even less time to do the writing. So it's really, if you can get any help to say, right, forget about that bit and focus on this, um, then that's really invaluable because um, obviously traditionally published authors won't have to worry about that as much. I mean, they will still have to do some, but they've got a team of people at their publisher who take care of that for them. And that's a, that's a lovely luxury to have somebody managing that for you so that you can just concentrate on writing. But it does take up quite a bit of time, yes, I suppose particularly around um, a book launch. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been really interesting. I've certainly really enjoyed learning more about that process. Um, and seeing your book formatted and going up on the screen and how it will look like when it's actually a physical book or an oh. e-book. There's something really exciting about that to know that you've created that and working on your book covers and with your designers and looking at some options and then discounting them moving on and forwards to what you think is the right direction. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel quite thankful in a way that prior to writing um, and trying to make a career out of it I was involved in marketing I was a marketeer so I think all of the time that I spent looking at creative and looking at words and copy and trying to make things sound convincing or um, captivating or engaging mm -hmm. to a consumer definitely has put me in good stead in trying to um, write books which will appeal to people and be page turners and yeah just hopefully original but also um yeah engaging so would you say that not only does someone have to be a good writer but they also it would be helpful to have a certain amount of that marketing or business experience to kind of handle the other side of the self-publishing business almost yeah I mean there's lots of people out there who will find you and track you down and say hey how about I, you know, advertise your book on my Instagram, for example. Mm -hmm. People do reach out, but you definitely have to be quite savvy in knowing how to reach um, people and a large number of people, ideally. Um, so it's, I feel it's helped me. And I, I don't know many UK authors, but the, a friend of mine who has self-published as well, she doesn't have any marketing background and she has found it, much harder to try and sort of wade through all of those um, options really and to try and work out what would be the best thing and how, and how to promote her book so I think it does help definitely because it's all about being seen and um, sometimes being seen several times in order for people to remember oh yes I've seen that book oh, I saw that book you know in that magazine or on that podcast or on that Instagram um, and because sometimes it's it's about re, just reinforcing that you're still there. Um, so once somebody's seen you three or four times and they actually, oh, you know what, I really, really was interested in that book. I really need to look that up and, um, and read what it's about. So, yes, sometimes it's just about being um, frequent, just being seen frequently. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I mean, I think about my own sort of to-be-read shelf on Goodreads, which is literally like nearly 7,000 books that are shelved there, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's very easy to like see a book and think like, oh, that looks really interesting. I'll have to pick that up. 
Mm. you know, market as something I want to read and then move on. And especially since I've started the podcast, I find, you know, that I, I get a lot more, um, you know, bits of information about books that are coming out. And so it's easy for things to just sort of slip, you know, under the radar eventually and be like, oh yeah, okay. Like that's good. And then I move on. So Mm. when I hear about something more than once, like, oh yeah, like I really did, you know, want to read that. And so it sort of puts it back kind of in the front of my attention and I can then Mm -hmm. go back and actually, you know, buy it or maybe, you know, read the arc that I was sent. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like there's just so many books and obviously um, this makes me really sad, but obviously I will never be able to read like all the books that there are I know I found um, that when um, I wish I could exactly and um when you suddenly have your book out there you think how are people going to find my book because there are millions of books and there are yes. thousands of releases every week and you're just trying to stand out to a, a small percentage of those um because only really the authors who've been around for a very long time can have you know a large proportion of that readership but um, yeah, it is, it's kind of, it's kind of daunting, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine, you know, I look each, um, like each week, I look at all the releases that are coming out, like for the next week, so I can choose kind of what I want to highlight on our um, new release episode. And it's like, okay, I, I cannot talk about all of these books, like I just, I just can't. So then how do you choose the ones that that you do feature. And so I feel like there's a lot that goes into that. And if there's a lot that goes into that for me that runs, you know, a relatively small podcast at this point, um, there must be so much more that goes into it when you're actually looking at, you know, making this work for you as, as a consumable product. Yep. Yeah. So what is next for you now that Marrying the Heiress is out in the world? Well, the, I, I kind of sat on some books for a while whilst I was um, reading lots of romances and working out how to write um, my own kind of stories. Um, so I have a few books lined up to release over the next sort of 12 months, I suppose, and the next book is coming out at the end of August, and it's called All Ooh. the Feels. Um, and this one is not enemies to lovers, but it's it's a very sweet romance. And um, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled for that one, really. So is this next book set kind of at all in a similar place to where Marrying the Heiress took place? Like, is it kind of in the same universe or are they completely separate? So they are separate. So Marrying the ARS is part of what I'm calling the Rags to Riches series. And there will be three books, as far as I can tell at the moment, in that series. And the next book in the Rags to Riches will be uh, Digby's story, um, who you do meet in Marrying the ARS. Um, But All the Feels is a kind of new grouping of stories. Um, they are L- London-based around Chelsea, and um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't really know how to describe it because I haven't had to think about that particularly much yet. Oh, soon you will. Um, yeah, it's, 
Uh, it's basically a world's collide twist of fate romance. Okay. Well, that definitely sounds like something that people should be aware of and keep an eye out for, especially as the summer wears on and mm. you get closer to you know that possible like August release date. Is there a good way for listeners to kind of keep up with your releases and know what you're coming out with at any given time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have, I'm on Instagram. So um, that is, what am I on Instagram? I am Autumn Miller Books. I also have um, a Facebook author page, Autumn Miller, you'll find me there. You can, um, I'm on Twitter, which is A Miller Writes. Um, so yeah, I am, I am about, I don't have a website up yet. Um, but you will find me on yeah Twitter. I'm on Goodreads, I have a Goodreads page, um, my Amazon author page and yeah, Instagram. Okay. So you are definitely findable online yeah. then. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and yes, I will be updating on there as and when, um, yeah, things are coming out or what's going on. And obviously love to hear, um, from people from readers, whether the, you know they're what they thought of the books that they read, um, any any feedback really would be really interesting to um, yeah just to keep up with you. Awesome. So you mentioned that you have been an avid reader for quite a while, and this means that I get to ask you my very favorite question because <laughs> authors give I feel like some of the very best book recommendations I don't know what makes you like a stellar book <laughs> recommender if you're an author but this seems to be the case so what have you read recently that you think the world should know about um well I'm reading one right now which I am probably 70% of the way through but I am loving it um and it's called it's not actually romance although it's women's fiction um, because I like to change it up a bit. I like to read young adult. I like to read a little bit of historical romance. I'm not a big fan of historical romance, but I have read some really good ones. Oh, yes. Uh, and as, as I mentioned, I'm a big young adult fan. And so therefore, I think that's why my stories are at the new adult age um, mm -hmm. range of ages. Um, but the book that I'm reading at the minute, which is really good, is called The Man Who Didn't Call. And it's by Rosie Walsh. Um, and it's set in LA and uh, a part of the UK, Gloucestershire. And um, yeah, it's really, really good. It's really holding my attention. The writing is really good. And um, the story has got some plot twists, which is always fun. Um, so yeah, check that one out. It's really good. This is an author that I am not familiar with. So I will have to look this up. Mm. See, that's why <laughs> I like to ask this it? question. Yes. <laughs> yes, because I feel like no matter, you know, who I'm talking to, either people have read something that I haven't heard of or they've read something that I'm like, considering reading, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of gotten like pushed down in that huge pile I was talking about earlier. Yeah. So I'm always, always looking for sort of that next recommendation from people. Mm. So you mentioned new adult and new adult is a little bit controversial among my book bistro presenters. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> like there are some of us who really love it. And then some of us who are like, you know, wow, this is 
just all full of drama and angst. Okay. And I remember when I read my very first new adult book, I was like, wait, like these people are going off to college. They're like doing all these things. I'm thinking, you know, when I was 19, when I was 22, my life was nothing like what it, uh, you know, how people's lives are in mm-hmm. these books. And so I'm curious when you actually sat down to write, um, you know, that kind of new adult in that new adult niche, kind of how, like, how was that for you? Was that an easy kind of place for you to like to plant yourself as you wrote, or did you struggle to kind of become the characters and put them, you know, into a space that, that felt convincing for the age range that they were supposed to be? Okay. Yeah. That, um, so marrying the heiress is at the, older end of the new adult range so um, my yes. guess is 24 going on 25 so I realized that new adult is also sort of 18 19 20 21 and that mm-hmm. is a harder space for me to write in definitely um so I I tend to err uh, towards the older age um range within that bracket and um Dor in marrying the heiress he's in his early 30s so I have what I hope in the uh, sort of a more mature relationship, more mature characters um, within this story. But there will be books that I'm releasing where they are more high school and sort of university um, characters. And so therefore there is a bit more angst, but I'm not a big fan of too much drama myself. I don't like lots of swapping of opinions or this and that happens. And then, oh, there's yeah, all this angst, as you as you put it, I yes. I, suppose, I I feel I left that behind, and I want to leave it behind. But I get that there are some people that really enjoy all of that too. But um, there won't be. That's not my focus. My focus is more on the story and the characters, rather than trying to just inject some drama for drama's sake, because that's perhaps what people who are high schoolers are like. Because um I suppose we all grow up at different uh speeds don't we um I and I do that. think that um some late teenagers are more sensible than others so you have to perhaps find authors who yeah write to what you're looking for and I know that I've read quite a few new adult authors that definitely cater towards the slightly um wilder new adult um kind of um characters than than I am so yeah I I suppose I'm answering that in a very roundabout way in that it's about finding the author who meets what you want from that new adult range and I would just describe myself as being somebody that looks to the top end but Mm -hmm. but um even even so you know I you have to try and make allowances for the fact that they're still quite young and they might quite not know what they're doing (laughs) Um, it's true so, yes, you have to try and be real, but I also don't want to be dramatic for the sake of being dramatic. Would you say there are huge differences between like writing young adult stories versus new adult? Like, would you find that kind of a um, like a definite line that is crossed when you move into new adult? Or would you say there are more similarities within the two than differences? Um. 
Well, for me, the young adult was um, sort of fantasy fiction, whereas uh, yes. obviously now it's very sort of modern day contemporary romance. So um, I think you can make allowances for that. Um, and generally, I suppose, in rather dire circumstances or dystopian um, settings, you can have some very switched on teenagers um, who perhaps aren't falling apart, whereas somebody in a modern day era might just you know, totally dissolve at trying to work out some complicated thing or uh, situation that they might find themselves in because, yeah, they're not really equipped to deal with that as much as perhaps somebody who's living in fantasy land. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's, um, I I do enjoy all those kind of teenage emotions and hormones. I do, I do quite like that on a, on a romance setting, that kind of, you know, heart pattering, um, butterflies whirling away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love all of that, but I'm not especially a fan of lots of boy drama um, and sort of teenage emotions like overwhelming jealousy or um, things that could be really quite, um, yeah, a bit destructive almost. I, I, um, so I try and avoid very destructive emotion in terms of negative destructive emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think obviously those emotions are are real and exist for people. Mm-hmm. But at least for me, as someone who you know hasn't been a teenager for quite a while, um, I do find that sometimes I like, I can't quite relate to some of that in yeah. you know in my characters. Yeah. Um, I still I still will read them. Like I read a lot of YA stuff. Um, but I always have to remember that like I'm not sort of the the target audience for that and you know that these books are written you know for a different demographic than I than I would fall into yeah and uh, you know sometimes you just have to sadly abandon a book if you find that it's not quite your thing and there'll be plenty of others that are and it's as I said it's about finding that author that writes the type of um yeah emotional um uh oh I'm searching for a word there the the right kind of emotional angle that suits you but also suits uh the characters in the story yes yes do you have any plans um now that you've published within the romance genre to write outside that genre or is it pretty much romance here on out for you as far as you can tell um, it's definitely romance here on out. Um, awesome. Certainly until um, I've completed the series that uh, mm-hmm. I have started with. Um, and who knows after that? I'm, I, you know, maybe I'll go back to my young adult stories and uh, relook at those and see if there's a way of publishing, um, publishing those myself. Um, so this is very much... Um, yeah, and, and a new chapter, a new kind of exciting um, time just to see how, how this works, really, how this works. Um, are people enjoying my stories? If they are, then great, because then that will just grow. And then you can just um, look at other opportunities as you have, when you have, you know, some kind of legacy within the writing world. I think it would be an easier it would be easier to look at other opportunities when you have established yourself in something. That makes so, so much sense. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and chat with me about yourself and your books and your publishing journey. Um, I really enjoyed marrying the heiress and I hope that listeners will pick it up. Um, it is definitely a romance that is worth your time. But Autumn, I do want to thank you again for taking time with me today. Well, thanks so much, Shannon. It's been great to talk to you too. Okay, so new books. This is a really good week for mysteries and thrillers. Um, a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about today falls into that category. We do have some other stuff though, so don't worry if mysteries are not your thing. You may still find something yummy here. So the first handful of books I'm going to mention are books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated books of September episode. And I'm starting with one of my most anticipated September releases. This is Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney. This is her fourth book, and I am so, so excited for it. Natalia has two books that she's looking forward to today. The first one is a standalone novel by Alexa Martin. This is called Mom Jeans and Other Mistakes. It's romance, women's fiction, um, fits nicely into those categories. She also has a thriller. This is Friends Like These by Kimberly McCrate, and this is one that I am also really excited about. I love Kimberly McCrate. Brooke has Striking Range, Timber Creek Canine Mysteries, book seven by Margaret Misushima, and this is a mystery series a little bit procedural I think it deals with some search and rescue and then she has a young adult thriller called the Hawthorne Legacy this is Inheritance Games book two by Jennifer Lynn Barnes and again these are books that Brooke mentioned on our most anticipated books of September episode so those are books that you've heard us mention previously let's move on to some books that we haven't talked about before I'm going to stick with thrillers here for a little while. Mysteries, psychological thrillers, um, all kinds of great stuff like that. First up is a debut. This is Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Kurian. And this is about psychopathy. Um, apparently, a group of people become involved in a study. They are all psychopaths and someone ends up dead. This one um, I pre-ordered almost as soon as I heard about it, and I'm super, super excited for it. So this is Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Curian. Lisa Jewell has a new book out this week. This is The Night She Disappeared. It is a standalone novel about a woman and her boyfriend who, as you probably guess from the title, disappeared after they attended a party at the home of a new college friend. So this again is The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell. If you love Nora Roberts, you might also love the pseudonym she writes under. Since 1995, she has written the um, In Death series under the name J.D. Robb, and so she is releasing Forgotten in Death, in Death, number 53, this week. They, these are kind of futuristic, 
police procedurals with a romantic relationship kind of at the core. So this is Forgotten in Death, in Death, number 53, by J.D. Robb, who is, of course, Nora Roberts. Frida McFadden has a new thriller out this week as well. This is Do Not Disturb. Um, this is a book that is right up my alley. I love books about people on the run. So this is about a woman who committed a terrible crime. She doesn't want to end up in prison, and so she is on the run. And I am definitely in a hurry to get this one. It is Do Not Disturb, and it's by Frida McFadden. Okay, let's talk about some historical fiction. The Living and the Lost is coming out this week. I love this title. This is by Ellen Feldman. Um, she wrote Paris Never Leaves You last year. So this one is about a Jewish woman who returns to Berlin after a long time away in America. And she's trying to kind of come to terms with some things that happened in her past. So it looks like we might be delving into some World War II history. It doesn't like specifically say that in the synopsis, but it is the impression that I get. This is The Living and the Lost by Ellen Feldman. We then have The Royal Correspondent by Alexandra Joel. This is set in London in the 1960s, and it's about an Australian woman who wants to be a reporter, um, and she comes to London to do some investigating. She also has a secret of her own, and apparently someone finds out about it, and this complicates sort of her journey to, you know, achieving her dreams to be a famous journalist. This is The Royal Correspondent, and it's by Alexandra Joel. Let's talk about some romance. The Shoddy Setup. This is by Lily Vale, and this looks utterly delightful. It is a rom-com about an Indian woman who signs herself and her boyfriend up on this like dating website, matchmaking website. She wants to prove that they're the perfect match, that she's always thought that they were, but this does not go as planned. She ends up apparently being paired with someone else. This is The Shoddy Setup by Lily Vale. We then have Will They, Won't They by Portia McIntosh. This is about a celebrity who returns home to her seaside town after scandal breaks and she needs to be out of the limelight for a while. Apparently she finds love and perhaps some peace there. This is Will They, Won't They by Portia McIntosh. And if you're looking for something historical and romantic, then you might want to pick up Portrait of a Scotsman, League of Extraordinary Women, book three by Evie Dunmore. And her debut novel, Bringing Down the Duke, um, came out in, I believe, 2019. And so many people loved it. Um, her second novel came out last year, and now this one is finally here. So if you have not read her previous books, definitely pick them up. But this one is Portrait of a Scotsman, League of Extraordinary Women, book three by Evie Dunmore. And I want to 
talk about some fantasy here. Um, the Inheritance of Urquida Divina by Zoraida Cordova is out this week. This is perfect if you love Alice Hoffman and her Practical Magic series. So this is about a family who has had kind of hidden magical powers that they've been dealing with for quite a while. And they decide that finally they're going to dig into their past and try to understand like where these powers came from. I really, really enjoy um, Cordova's books for young adults. This one looks like it is intended for adult readers. It is The Inheritance of Urquita Divina by Zoraida Cordova. Moving to young adult fantasy, we have The Girls Are Never Gone. This is by Sarah Glenn Marsh, and it is described as The Conjuring meets Sadie. I love, 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 love Sadie. Um, I'm not as big a fan of like ghosts and spirits, so I'm not sure that this is a book for me, but it might be a book for you. It is about a girl who has a podcast, and she is apparently in some kind of life and death struggle with an evil spirit. So this is The Girls Are Never Gone, and it's by Sarah Glenn Marsh. We then have The Last Beautiful Girl by Nina Lauren. And this is, I don't know, kind of like dark fantasy, maybe with some hints of horror. It chronicles the dark descent um, of a teen into social media fame. And apparently some supernatural things also play into this. Um, if you're looking for something creepy as fall kind of makes its approach, this might be just what you need. It is The Last Beautiful Girl by Nina Lauren. And I am rounding up today with two contemporary young adult titles. We have We Can Be Heroes by Kiri McCauley. This is the story of three girls who are struggling after a school shooting. And they're also trying to fight for their friendship, fight for their version of the truth. This is We Can Be Heroes, and it's by Kiri McCauley. And last up, we have Where I Belong. This is by Marsha Argita Mickelson. And it is about a teenage girl whose family has sought asylum in Texas. She was apparently born a citizen and her parents are not. So now with changing immigration laws, our protagonist is, of course, coming to terms with all of that and trying to figure out how she can fight for positive change. This is Where I Belong, and it is by Marsha Argita Mickelson. And that is all I have for you today for new books. There were so many fantastic things coming out today and I did have to like stop listing them somewhere otherwise we would have been here way too long but I do hope that I have told you about a few things that you are as excited for as we are here at Book Bistro. I also hope that all of you are staying safe and well. (laughs) 
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.